Oh, we're working. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Growing With Fishes podcast, episode 165. This week, we have Brian Flippenwich from the Aquaponics Association. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Um, so um, we have a couple of other co-hosts that will be joining us a little bit late. But uh, so why don't you tell us a little about, um, uh, about yourself and uh, about the Aquaponics Association? I understand you guys have some upcoming events going on. Yep. Our annual conference this year, the theme is Putting Out Fruits, is at Kentucky State University, September 20th to 22nd. You can get uh, tickets at the Aquaponics Association website, aquaponicsassociation.org. Click on conference. Um, Three days. There's also a Thursday pre-conference food safety certification seminar taught by Julie Ogden of the Farm Plan. Um, It kind of gets you everything you would need to know to be able to then go on and get your Global Gap food safety certification. So uh, it's a lot of work. That's basically the association. That's basically what our focus is right now. Yeah, less than a month away. So we are excited. Um, We um, have people coming in from all over the world. We have uh, learning tracks in commercial aquaponics, research aquaponics, um, STEM. So it's a great place for aquaponics growers of all stripes to come together and meet, you know, we all grow in different size systems from large to small, but, um, we all have a lot in common. Um, and I think our practice can use a lot of some cohesion, um, some chance for face to more face to face meeting to, um, you know, exchange knowledge and get better. What do you think, Steve? Awesome. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I've spoken in a couple of them and uh, always been a good time. Um, Always fun to hear different ideas and different things. And uh, I tend to be a little bit more civil than the forums are. And uh, (laughs) it tends to be a a good time for everybody, especially if you're someone newer and, you know, not not as especially for for newer farm owners. Things a great place to, to get resources, get, you know, you know, contacts for different things. If you do run into a problem, you know, it can be a really great way to get those resources in your belt, get those business cards and, and learn more about things that you may be lacking. No, someone told me at putting down roots, they said this conference paid for itself because I was about to invest $10,000 in this certain thing. And I realized on the first day here that that was not in my best interest. So it paid for itself the first day. Um, especially in a, you know, a new, kind of a growing and evolving practice. It's evolving so quickly. Um, and everyone's doing it differently everywhere you go. Um, there's a lot of value in just the connections you make and, um, you know, hearing everyone's stories. Yeah. And, and, you know, you guys get a really wide range of, uh, speakers as well. I know you guys had people there from NASA the one year people from different universities and different schools and all different types of companies different Um, countries oh yeah 
Bangladesh this year, um, China, maybe Saudi Arabia again, uh, Australia, Mexico, France, Canada. Yeah, a lot of countries. Yeah, it's really grown uh, a lot since the early days when uh, I think the first one uh, I went to was with Sylvia way back in the day. So you guys have really changed a lot. The community has really grown, you know, tremendously since then in lots of different ways. Her name is still on our PayPal account. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Sometimes things like that take so long to try to get taken care of. Ugh. <laughs> um. But there's all you know, always different interesting things to learn from there. So what are what are some of the other things that the association does uh, out there? I know you guys work real hard to get different you know things done, and I know there's some some challenges with some of the stuff going on in Canada. I know you guys are looking to, to help fend off as well. Maybe you want to touch on that. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you know the association is still. Right now, it's all volunteer run. You know, there have been some stipends along the way for, which are pretty modest for me and a few others. Um, so, you know, we have a vision of what the association should be doing, but then there's the reality of what we have the bandwidth to do. Um, you know, public policy work, um, there's not anyone really representing just the aquaponics community to policymaking community. Um, you know, there's, you know, hydroponic growers and, you know, major agriculture growers and then um, aquaculture. Um, but, you know, we are unique. Aquaponics was included in the um, 2018 Farm Bill. We did a sign-on letter with over 300 signatures that we hand-delivered. Um, and I've been, I'm talking with some people at the USDA and on the Hill now trying to get someone to come to the conference. Um, USDA came to the conference in, in Portland. Um, and, you know, just things like trying to form a research community. Um, we had some, we have the first, we're gradually working towards establishing working, working groups, um, you know, in the different kind of silo, not silos, but issue areas like commercial, um, STEM research, that sort of thing. And I think this conference will go a long way towards that. Uh, that's something else that is interesting about the conference is that we have specific sessions just for discussion, um, for participant um, input when, you know, everyone gets a chance to talk and, you know, people find a lot of value in that as well. So, um, but that's kind of a place where we, you start to form um, working groups. And I, I think a lot of it is about um, finding common hurdles that we're all facing and then, you know, working together at how can we overcome those hurdles. And the ultimate goal is growing with more, growing more with aquaponics. Absolutely. And, and, and I think, too, it, um, you know, kind of in a way you guys are doing what's mirroring in a way what's going on in the cannabis community with the whole, you know, everyone's individual regions trying to band together. And aquaponics is kind of almost like a, um, you know, like its own appellation, like its own, you know, you yeah. know, region of growing, but, you know, similar in that way. 
So, you, you know, being able to brand that, coming up with universal branding and universal standards and stuff like that really is needed. And But, you you know, some of the cool things that you guys are even doing panels on uh, this year at your conference. Yeah, definitely. Um, the way I think of it is that, you know, the association should be creating value that, you know, benefits everyone. You know, the more accurate information that's out there, um, the more um visibility and you know public awareness campaigns about the um the benefits and why you know it's more efficient and uh you know things like that yeah absolutely and then especially when you start combining it with some of the the soil research with some of the microbial stuff you're seeing a lot of people even you know kentucky state did a lot of research with microbial stuff a lot of, i know Saudov is uh dr Saudov is, is speaking on that or Nick Sabato speaking of that. So um, it's really cool to see that go from, you know, the early days of, you know, feed the fish and plants grow to, hey, there's science on this and let, let's let's get into it, you know. Um, it's really nice yeah. to see everything kind of, you know, flesh out yeah. more and people become a little more educated in a lot of this stuff. It's really, really great that you guys are putting it on. Yeah, and at the last conference towards the end, um, Dr. Sabatov and some other folks, um, I know Arvind and Ryan Chatterson were there, were talking about, you know, getting more of a coherent research community together and even maybe even possibly like a journal or some sort of publication. Um, I know, I, I think there used to be an aquaponics association. Well, I'm sure there are some out there, but, you know, maybe, um, you know, there's an opportunity for, um more of that even among you know like the you know the research publications things like that rather than just getting lost among the weeds between you know the other fields absolutely um yeah and it's, it's also been, been interesting too just to see how you know as, as some of the stuff gets scaled up what are some of the things that are you know, you're seeing on the larger scale cannabis operations now and some of the bigger scale veggie operations are running into some, some unique challenges as well. And it's always interesting to go there and kind of see, hey, when people actually get to this level, they're actually having issues with X, Y, and Z. And, you know, it can be a great way to you're thinking about expanding, you know, your own facility. It can be a great way to, to fend off some of those growing pains. Yeah. Yeah, things are evolving, you know, and, you know, there's the whole um, evolution with decoupling. Um you know, we had a at, the, at last year in Hartford, we had a design panel at the end, which we have on video, but we haven't been able to, you know, get it off. And anyways, um, but a, a few folks up there, um, Rob Torsolini moderated it from Bigelow Brook Farms. Very interesting discussion. And there's a lot of issues in, you know, the te um, technical side of things that, you know, are still up for debate. Um, you know, people still discuss. So um, that's why it's even more important to have something like the association, which is a nonprofit, kind of serve as a um, neutral arbiter hub for the community to, you know, have a conference every year um, that doesn't have a profit seeking motive, um, you know, to get to be the gatherer of information, uh, doing the dirty work that, you know, each individual farm doesn't need to do, but you know, will bring value to everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, meeting other people to share that data with and, and you know, 
know, really, you know, it's really awesome that you're putting those those networks together. It's yeah, really, really, really cool. It'd be much appreciated on that. That's what everyone says every year at the end of the conference. Like, it's like, what was the most valuable thing? And everyone was just like, honestly, just like meeting people. And that's why Tanya said it was important to have unprogrammed lunch this year because she said, you know, just let people talk. And I said, yeah, let people talk. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, so uh, any other objectives for the next six months or a year? What are some of the next things going some forward? Things we've had percolating at the association are, um, you know, continuing, you know, again, well, first of all, I'd say fundraising, um, trying to, you know, just because if, if it continues to be all volunteer run all the time, things are going to, you know, who knows how long it'll last. Um you know, continuing to work towards working groups, um, you know, on initiatives like STEM education, commercial aquaponics, um, community aquaponics and research that can, you know, identify hurdles to growing with more aquaponics and like work on things during the course of the year. Um, you know, we all come together for the conference, but how do you keep that uh, inertia and try to actually do things during the course of the year? Um, we've also been talking about um, putting together like a research database, like a hub of all materials. Um, you know, food safety is always evolving, um, things like that. Um, we have a web series coming up with Julie Ogden. You know, she has the pre-conference event, but she's also going to have a webinar series. Um, try to help folks with food safety stuff. Uh, we've been working with Mac. Uh, McLeon from Texas, who is spreading, uh, you know, he got aquaponics going in Texas prisons, and now he's working within the prison system to try to spread aquaponics into pr prisons nationwide. So that's pretty, a uh, pretty great endeavor. And he'll be speaking at the banquet Saturday night along with Charlie. Um, uh, and then, you know, public policy stuff, they passed the farm bill last December and the farm bill did a few, you know, the farm bill explicitly mentioned aquaponics twice, um, which I believe are the first times it's ever been mentioned in federal legislation. So I, I suppose that's a minor victory. Um, but, you know, um, there's some new research grants out there that are applicable to aquaponics and there's a new office of um, urban agriculture and innovative production that will include aquaponics. So, um, and you know, that's kind of my portfolio. I'm here in DC. So I'll be looking at some of that stuff as well. Yeah, but can't put the cart before the horse. Uh, gotta get funding at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we had a, a question from chat it says, what can Brian tell us about more, most successful aquaponic farms? Um, do they have anything in common? Um, also, oh, hold on, someone's sharing. Oh, Marty hijacked the video. Sorry, I didn't mean to. My bad. Fine. Um, I got it. Um, says, okay. Also, what are the most common failures you've seen uh, since you're, you know, work with lots of different farms? Um, 
so as far as the most successful, um, you know, to tell you the truth, I don't even have that great of a view of the industry because it's, you know, there's still not a lot of good data out there. And, um, you know, so, um, Jonathan Van Santen from Virginia Tech has done a survey and presented in Portland and, um, we have a few folks presenting this year. Um, but people are still kind of searching and, and there's been a few commercial studies. Um, uh, people are still looking for data, uh, or more coherent data, cohesive. Um, you know, I know the success examples that most other people know, you know, superior fresh, um, lucky clays, fresh, um, Ouroboros, um, um, Colorado aquaponics, um, you know, things like that. Um, so I think that's one thing we need to do a better job of is actually, you know, more of like a census who's actually out there. What are the number? like, how much are we actually growing? You know, what percent of our food and or cannabis is produced in aquaponics right now? I would say probably not that big of a percentage. Um, so then the next question most common failures. Um, I, I really think the most common failures are people um, riding the irrational exuberance of when you first find out about aquaponics and not having your finances straightened out yet before you know um, how to do the actual growing well enough consistently. I think people will underestimate that. Oh yeah. I've had people that have, you know, seven, eight, 10,000 square foot facilities more than once when I worked at aquaponics first call me, no idea what pH was, no idea what iron was, or they, they were really awesome growers, like totally got the science down, like knew what they were doing, but they lived in the middle of nowhere and had no one to sell organic lettuce to because they had, you know, large producers of cheap soil grown that was sprayed with who knows what, but it, Hey, it's 99 cents a head, you know? And so that's, that's been one of the big things I've seen too, is people just not doing the right market research and either growing the wrong crops or, or growing stuff that maybe they, they shouldn't grow that time of year. Um, yeah. Is, you know, probably the biggest thing that I've seen. That's the thing that's so hard is you have to be a fish person and a plant person and a business person <laughs> to be, to, yeah. And it's, it's not easy. And a bit of a bug expert. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be what, what i'm presenting on uh, at the conference this year is pathogens and insects and how to how to help with that so and you're on a cannabis panel right yep and on the the aquaponic cannabis panel as well so it'll be a lot of fun on sunday so it'll be fun to, to see everybody out there and yeah put out some good info and help some people out from the stuff we've been doing in the cannabis industry you know we get, we get tested so much and all we have so, so little parameters, you know, we, we get, we fail at 0.1 PPMs of per pesticides in Oklahoma. So, you know, we, we have to do all beneficial insects or microbials to kill everything. We don't have an option. So, mm. um, you know, I really want forces you to re relook at your tool belt, but, you know, you can absolutely apply those super organic practices to lettuce growing or tomatoes or, you know, any of the other things that people like to grow in aquaponics and, you know, it's really awesome that you're having this, you know, higher level and high research data being done by the cannabis industry um, and, and, you know, um, 
funded, you know, because there's a lot of there's not a lot of funding for that kind of stuff and, and for, for lettuce, you know. Uh, there's just not enough price per plant. So it is nice that, you know, all this research is getting done now and, and you know, the funding is there. Outside of academia, obviously. Academia is wonderful, but it's like slow as molasses when you're trying to flush something out. So. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hey, how's it going, Roger? How's it going, Marty? Yeah. Yeah, hey, Marty. And I, I, I read who our guest is, but if you could remind me real quick, it'd be nice. I just came in from Tennessee. Six-hour drive. Sure, it's Brian from the Aquaponics Association. Brian, okay. Brian, yeah. See, I've been dealing with a Brian that's in my front yard a while ago, so that's what's going on. Marty, did you have a... Marty, did you have any questions? I know he's had a bit of a, a, a long day and get rolling out, but um, did you have any other questions, Marty? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, listening in. Appreciate being here. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, how can people, if people want to get involved or join the association or support you, how can they do that? Or if they want to, you know, help you with some of your endeavors that you're talking about? Yeah, you can um, go to aquaponicsassociation.org. Um, click on membership if you're interested in membership or um, conference um, to come to the conference. Um, you know, um, you could email us just, um, you know, coming to the conference is probably the best way to get involved. Um, we are going to be trying to launch a communications um, platform pretty soon. Um, and then, you know, we will have some, hopefully we'll get the working groups together a little better. So like, um, there'll be someone leading specific things. So like, if you're interested in STEM aquaponics, you can be, um, in contact with folks to work on, um, you know, common STEM projects, or as I said, like, um, trying to form a research community. So, um, you know, aquaponics researchers can get together. Um, that's pretty much it. Where, where, since nobody asked me, so where, since I'm late, I'm sorry, but it'd be good, a good advertisement again. So where is their conference and are you planning or do you have any on the East coast? This conference is at Kentucky state university. Oh, Kentucky State. We've talked about you guys a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, take that because I'm in Carolina, buddy. Brian? Yeah. yeah. Um, we go to a different location every year. Two years ago, we were in Portland. Last year in Hartford. Now in Kentucky. Um, this last year, we had a um, online poll of our members and let them kind of choose where they wanted to go and. A lot of people wanted to go to Kentucky State. Cool, cool. What, yeah. And what what city is that located in? Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure if that and what's it? Kentucky's in Lexington or where's Kentucky at? University of. Yeah, I, I think so. And we'll be going to Lexington for one of the conference tours to a place called Food Chain, um, which has an aquaponic system. Um, that's true, a brewery, I think, um, but they're a kind of a community philanthropic grower. Um, but I think they have a pretty big aquaponic system. 
Yeah, we're in the we're in the we're in the starting. Um, we've got a we're doing a hemp farm in Carolina, and we got three locations. And one of them we're getting. I'm I'm getting to help build a dual root zone indoor climate controlled dual root zone grow. So I'm real excited about that. So I'd love to, and I'm sure that my partners and all, you know, would Ryan and all the boys would probably love to come up and catch that. When is that? Kentucky State. Uh, September 20th to 22nd. Well, we might be able to make that. We might be able to make that. I'll have to check. I'll go to your website and check that out later on. There is a hemp production panel, hemp aquaponics. So there's some people there that do that. Yeah. Yeah, I work with a lot of those guys too. A lot of fun. Cool. A lot of the hemp guys are seeing Septoria this year. So learning all about learning, making sure you get your microbes dialed in. Yeah, that's the first thing we're doing is trying to get microbes and all that dialed in. And you know, thank thanks to all the great panelists and friends on this podcast. I think we're in pretty good shape and with a lot of knowledge to draw and research and reference to draw off of. And I think that's it. Like you said a minute ago, the problem is with so many growers, especially guys that are trying to do big farms all of a sudden out of the blue is they just don't do enough research to understand what they're getting into and what it's actually going to take. I talked to a guy from Tennessee today that has no clue about microbes or anything like that. And, you know, he's a not really nice guy and I want to see him succeed. So I, volunteered to help him a little bit you know and uh yeah but it's that that's the thing i think exactly what you said brian it's just uh they just don't do enough research and realize and like you said get your financing straight you know because if you're going to do it right folks it's not cheap (laughs) it's not cheap to get into farming and don't remember this you'll never have another day off either let your steve and get to fly all over the freaking place you know (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you got a munchkin to care for. So um, why don't you tell everybody one last time uh, what the website is in case they catch this late. Sure. It's www.aquaponicsassociation.org. And then you, uh, on the top bar, you could click conference and head to the conference homepage and take it from there. Awesome. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for your time. Great. Late missed you, Brian. Really? No problem. No problem. See you guys soon. Take care. Thank you. Yep. Bye. How's it going there, Marty? How's the move? Well, it's been pretty good. Um, Yeah, just hectic, I guess. My dad had to go back into the ER this weekend, and so obviously that, that takes up some time. But he's, he's all moved up here now, getting them settled in, mostly like buying them stuff for his cabin, and getting the handrails put in, and got to find a place to get a you know, walk-in bath. And so mostly just stuff around my dad right now, but hopefully I'm going to get all that stuff settled um, and uh, within the next week or so. And be able to start working on some of my shit again, <laughs> which will be uh, you know, setting up the, the nursery first, like I talked about. But uh, other than that, I haven't, haven't done too much garden wise. We have well, guys, a, every time, I'm sorry, a, go ahead, go ahead. Buddy. We have a class coming up up at your place too, don't we? Yeah, so in October, is it, I think, 
Uh, 19th and 20th or something like that? Seven, uh, 17th through 20th. Yeah, because so, oh, it's a four-day on-site class. Yeah. So pretty excited about that. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be great. I think that we'll have uh, a couple extra days to cover a lot of the content that we don't get to cover in the just online version of the class. From the, the online version is normally two days in GitLab. Um, you know, it's kind of all the the 101 stuff, aquaponics 101, cannabis 101, and uh, the on-site class will be able to get into some of the more like making your own nutrients, ferments, you know, probably some stuff on like worms, worm bins, different types of worms. You know, Steve has some other bugs he likes to talk about, like his, uh, what are they, like the cockroaches, is that what they are? Yeah, dubia and hissing roaches and uh, hissing roaches, yeah. yeah. We'll go into microscope work. We'll we'll do a bunch of we'll look at a bunch of stuff under the microscope so you know what you're doing and all kinds of stuff. So um, you know, if you're really looking to get a much better in depth, you know, version of the class, uh, you know, the four day commercial class really is gonna be the, the the ticket and we you know, we really get into stuff that we just never get a chance to get into in depth on the show. You know, just because it you know, we trying to teach that and teach the whole process, you know, it takes a while, but we can demonstrate it. And, uh, you know, it'll be a lot of fun. Marty and I will be there and, uh, be on Marty's farm. So out, right, right outside of Medford. Yeah. Right outside of Medford, Oregon. That's what I was just going to say. I'm sure some people are wondering where it's at. So it's technically in Gold Hill, Oregon, about 20 minutes outside of Medford, which does have a pretty large airport. You can fly into relatively easily if you're looking to fly in. We are kicking around, maybe having an online, uh, you know, live stream of the four-day commercial class as well. So we'll we'll keep you guys updated on that because there's some people in different countries that can't, you know, don't have the same kind of access that have requested an online thing. And so we're we're doing our best to figure out a way to make that work. So that that'll be kind of cool if we can do that. So, but the uh, the on-site stuff it's always good to get your hands dirty. You know, and be able to interact. And the online class, you can interact by asking questions. It's a, you know, really similar format to what we do on the podcast. Um, but you guys would be you're you're in the meeting with us, and you can you can get on uh, just chat if you want to, or you can get on the uh, you know webcam and do video chat um, like we're doing right now. It's really really up to you. Some people obviously don't want to go on video, especially less than legal states, I could understand the reservations. So we try to be flexible and still allow interaction. So if you want to send us, you know, questions via email beforehand, or you want to, you know, ask them in chat versus talking on video or just audio, whatever, you know, we, we want it to be interactive so you guys get your questions answered. That's kind of the whole point, making sure that, you know, whatever questions you guys have about what you want to do, you can make informed decisions based on good information. So that's kind of what, what we shoot for. And then, uh, uh, so it, it's going to be great to do that class, um, you know, here and uh, have so much more room than had. And just my garage is the only space I've had to grow from the past few years. So it's going to be nice to stretch my legs a little bit and, uh, and do some more stuff. Well, I got to say to all the photos you've been sharing lately on Facebook and everywhere, I love some of the flower pictures you've been putting in the different things. And I tell you what, I would love to come out there 
Yeah, we, that's one of the places we looked to around Medford, or, Oregon, when we thought about moving to Oregon about 10 years ago. And yeah. we, you know, that's when the boom up in, um, uh, what is it up there? Uh, shit, where Now everybody's going to ski, the new veil, bend, bend. And yeah. All of a sudden, bend kicked off and everything went up 500% on land prices and all. So, uh, but yeah, we looked at Medford and uh, I'm hoping y'all get a live stream. I asked Steve about that the other night. Because I'd love to come and help y'all, you know, get the questions. You know how I go ask a question, and everybody started asking questions the last time. It was pretty cool, you know. So yeah. I'd love to hang out if y'all get a video thing going. I'd love to hang out, you know, and, and get my boys over here, and we'll go have them. maybe we'll have a aquaponics class party or something like that. You know? Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. we have the, you know, the, I, I, just a ton of stuff in the front yard, all kind of, you know, the, the lady that lived here. Or a super cool lady, shout out to Teresa. She's she's the one that's commenting all the time. Every time I post a picture on Facebook, she comments like exactly what type of flower it is and you know, like all this information. It's it's really cool. And uh, and so she she worked really hard for years and years and years on this front yard and it's you know, all kinds of different flowers and irises and the, the driveway she nicknamed Iris Loop because the driveway has like you know, it's a loop driveway and it's got irises all the way around it. And uh, so that, that was kind of her thing. There's succulents everywhere, um, you know, different kinds, uh, different types of mint, uh, just so much stuff, honeysuckles, uh, rose bushes, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that's really, really tastefully done. And, and it's a, it's a really great space to just hang out in and, you know, that. You know the apple trees are out there. We're out of plums now, which is kind of disappointing because they're really good plums, man. They were they were really tasty. The apples are really good. We still got those hanging around. But we'll have those for another month or so, probably, till they're gone. But, and it's nice to just walk down the front yard and pick your own fruit, and eat it. It's good stuff right off the tree. Yeah, you also posted a picture of some like mountains in the background, like you had a valley and a hill over here and like a mountain over here. Right right looking out your yard, right? I mean, that alone, if, if there is heaven, that looked like heaven to me. <laughs> yeah, that's right off my front porch. So it's a, it's a great view. It's, you know, obviously a big part of the reason why we picked this property, but how accessible it is, you know, we're still only about 20 minutes from just about everything in town but it, it feels really remote, you know, so it's uh, you know, 11 and a half acres, but most of the acreage is going up the hill, it's all hillside, and uh, which, which is fine, you know, obviously if it was flat and irrigated and everything else, it'd be worth more money and all that stuff, but then I probably just couldn't afford it or someone else would have bought it, you know, so yeah, it took, took a while to get here, but man, it, it's definitely nice, and uh there's there's so much stuff to do. Just today, finally, I got out, fired up the tractor, and was kind of putting around on it, using the. It's got a big hydraulic bucket on the front of it, so I was tearing some stuff up with that. So it's gonna be, uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun to kind of tear some stuff up and make some improvements and get the greenhouse going and all, all that fun stuff. It'll be exciting. Gotta get my dad settled first and get you know get his cabin squared away and. You know, so it, it's nice to be here, but it's, you know, like it's a little, it's a little bit of torture because I have so much other stuff to do that needs to get done that it's, you know, it's a little hard that 
I think I've lived here for, well, I guess it's only been about three weeks, but still, it feels like I've been here a long time without setting up any garden stuff, but we'll, we'll get there. What, uh, what are you going to grow first, cultivar or what? Oh, I have, um, I have a friend of mine that is already has a nursery, um, and, or I guess it's more like a bedroom, and he's, he's now out producing what, what he can, uh, he, he has more flower space than he does veg space, and so he wants to um, kind of have, <laughs> kind of expand into my nursery, so I'm going to get backup copies of all of his genetics, um, so that we can have all the moms in both places and start doing a bunch of cuts for him. He's got a list of like 30 strains that are all like proven cuts. Some of the, a lot of the ones you've already seen me run on the, on the different channels, pretty much all of them come, come from the same person. So, uh, you know, he has the, the forum cut cookies. Uh, he's got, what's the other really popular cut of cookies? Is it, uh, gelato, that's right. So we've got uh, forum cut cookies, we've got gelato, pre-98 bubba, um, some sunset sherbet. Uh, what else is this? We've got right here, this is uh, purple punch. Um, man, there's just a whole list of them um, that'll come over. And so I'll just be starting taking cuts of all those. But I think I'll probably... Uh, I think I'll probably at least grow the sunset sherbet is the only one I'm sure I'm going to grow in the first run because it, it's it's one of my favorite terpene profiles I've tried so far. It, it's my favorite extract. I tried some um, some diamonds uh, and it was it was just amazing. It, I mean, it was like dabbing an orange creamsicle. <laughs> it was it's like really sweet and really orangey and um, it's definitely not like a, you know, it's not like a tangy sort of, it's, it's a very sweet citrus. So I really like it, enjoy it. So I'm definitely gonna grow that one in the first run. But now I, I, I can grow more than six plants. So I'll be able to pick a few different ones. So that, that's gonna be nice. I got to do some concentrate gelato concentrate the other day and it made me want to smoke some of the flour, man. It's like, I like that profile and it was yeah. really, you know, it's all, I don't even know what to, I almost want to call it like a melon flavor kind of like, it was not real citrusy or anything. It was kind of like, like kind of fruity. It wasn't overpowering or anything. It was just really nice. You know, yeah. what's the flower like? What would you describe the flower of gelato like? Cause Gelato, it's, um, I would say, you know, it's, it's kind of like your typical cookies, but it's almost like a, there's like a little hint of something. And I, I don't know, like, I can't explain exactly what it is, but it all, it's almost like a little bit of mint. Like, I almost feel like there's like oh, mint-like addition to the otherwise, like, chocolate chip cookie dough type flavor of just your regular cookies. So that, that's kind of, and, and I don't know, it's not exactly mid, but it's something like that. It just to me, it's like a, like a slightly different flavor of it. Like you can tell they're a different cut. Uh, and, and I've smoked them side by side from the same person like growing in the same run and all that. So I'm pretty confident that, 
you know, that, that the samples were were good comparisons because you grow them in different places and they'll taste different by, you know, grown by different people and different media or whatever. But I, I do think that uh, in this case, the samples were from, from the same guy who grows them in the same way all the time. And so I think that uh, it, it was, I can't say it was mint, but it, it's something like that. It's like just there's a little extra something in there that makes it less sweet. Well, I didn't realize it was like part of the cookie family. And it said, again, I thought it tasted like maybe if you think about it next time, see if you feel like it's melon. Because it kind of felt like uh, like maybe a melon kind of taste, not so much citrusy. But I forgot that. So that's like the cookie all right, the Oreo cookie flavor. So I didn't even think about that at the time, but it did. It kind of, I could say that I could equate to that the flavor was kind of, you could say it was kind of creamy, you know, like a, like, you know, like yeah. you know, cookie dough or something. So I didn't think of that at the time, but yeah, okay. Yeah, forearm cut to me really tastes more like the, the cookie dough type flavor. You know, it's a little sweeter and, you know, like that's just kind of the, the way it comes across to me, but the, the gelato, it just has, and, and melon might be it. Maybe that, that might be like a like a honeydew or something, you know, like a sweet honeydew or something like that. I don't know. I'll have to try it next time. Um, See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Not a not a not an orange melon, a green honeydew melon. That's yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. That's what I thought. That's what I thought of kind of when I spoke. Like a little fresher, like a little airier, a little. Well, is not a good word, but it's a little. Not quite as thick on your palate. Yeah, it was nice, very smooth. It was very well. Again, that has to do with who, like you said, where it's grown and how good the, the, the distiller, you know, when they did the, the process. You know, this was a very nice. It was a cartridge, you know, distill it. So it mm -hmm. was one. Of, you know, I, I've smoked quite a bit lately because everybody seems to have them now, and I've tried a couple, and some of them don't taste worth the crap, and some of them are terrible. And then others, you went, it's like a white, I had a white widow cartridge that was awesome. And then that, that was about the second one out of about eight or 10 I've tried that gelato. I said, what is that? He said, gelato. I said, I like that. I, you know, and I can, I'm going to, I tell you what, I'm going to find out where he got it from too and see if I yeah. can get some of that, you know, just. Yeah. And if you see some sunset sherbet, you pick that up. Sunset sherbet. Okay. All right. That's cool. That's what I'm hitting right now. And this purple punch is no slouch either what's going on with you steve i know you have uh, some stuff going on yeah i'm working getting everything going making sure all the regulations are going and we're trying to make sure everything's covered for next thursday when all the new regulations come into effect and yeah it'll be fun just doing that and um Dealing with some stuff with my pops had some issues too this week, so dealing with that and just a bunch of uh, trying to get stuff organized. Got some other other stuff in the works. Um, hey, you with cool. the Sephora? You what's up? I know you were talking about having issues with Sephora. Yeah, we um, the, the the couple plants that we treated. That we had a treat for it seemed to be responding super well with a combo of um, bacillus pomillus bacillus subtilis and streptomyces um the combination of that uh, brewed up overnight worked really well um 
Nice. And then, you know, we'll go ahead and do a phase two treatment with trichoderma um, just to make sure that it's gone, but it seems to be responding extremely well to that. Um, again, I think you just, if you're in these higher humidity areas, I really do think that if you're not doing these, these probiotic, you know, proactive sprays on a regular basis, it's going to catch you pretty quickly. And, and uh, you know, I've seen whole hemp fields, um, you know, online on, on PFA and um, uh, one of the other groups I'm in, and they had whole hemp fields in, uh, I believe it was Kentucky or Tennessee that had a whole, you know, just completely ravaged by septoria because again, we talked about this um, before is that, you know, you have these fields that have been sprayed with corn or soybeans or whatever, but there's no, there's no microbes in those fields. You know, they're, they're just dead. It's been sprayed with petrochemical fertilizers. So, um, they, you know, you have these little pathogenic microbes, like septoria, you have a flood year, you know, they really take off and go gangbusters and there's nothing there to inhibit them. So, you know, once you get that microbe, uh, fixed on both on the surface and the soil of the, of those plants really seems to make a big difference. Um, but other than that, just uh, have some stuff that I uh, can't quite talk about yet. I'm real excited about. Um, hoping to be able to say more in September or October um, once that's a little farther along. And um, yeah, just working on some other cool stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to mention anything before anything happens yet, but some cool stuff in the works, to say the least. And then speaking at the uh, Aquaponics Association. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You probably talked about that when you were Yep. And then also speaking at the California Cannabis Business Association, um, which is uh, October 8th, 9th, I think. Let me double check. So while you're checking, so you're going to speak at Kentucky? October 8th is what I'm speaking in, in California. Go ahead. I was trying to catch you before where you were looking it up. So you're talking about when you say the aquaponics social, you're going to be at Kentucky State? Uh, yes, I'll be out there on that Sunday. Oh, yeah, we're coming. We're coming. I'll, be, I'll see you there, buddy. I guarantee I'm coming. That's in my neighborhood, man. That's in my freaking neighborhood. I'll get there. Cool. We'll yeah, I'll, bring up, I'll bring up four or five people too. Yep. And then, um, and then, yeah, after that, uh, I'll be doing a little bit of traveling and then, um, we'll have the, the can of, it's going to be a brutal week. We have the long, the long form now MJ BizCon during the week. And then that weekend is Emerald cup. So I'll be completely dead by that Monday. Not able to move. I just get two extra days in Vegas or in, in Cali and sit on the beach somewhere. But that's cool, man. Get your way, get you need a vacation. Yeah, I do. Um anyways, um any, uh, go ahead, Marty. I was gonna say, did you see the question in chat? Somebody was asking no. about uh, so they just put a moving bio bed filter after my radio filter. Is there a better design I should have or could have gone with? I mean, we've we unless you're doing DWC um, moving media beds. Like if you have media beds at all, like moving media beds are pointless. Um, they're the surface area is just negligible compared to having a, a grow bed. 
or you can do a dual root zone pots even. Um, there's just no no point. Um, it's not doing anything that those media beds aren't. Um, you know, having offline mineralization is going to help you a lot more than, than that would. Um, but again, I mean, it's not it's not hurting anything. It's just not really doing all that much either. You know, when you don't have anything else for mineralization, if I'm running just a fish tank like an aquaculture, or if I'm doing, um, you know, DWC and I don't have that, you know, increased surface area, you know, that absolutely makes sense. But even then, you know, how much is that really compared to all the surface area of all the roots and all of that system and all of the plumbing? You know, it's not, you know, if you actually, you know, measure out the square footage, it's pretty negligible. So I think there's a way too much hype over the moving media beds and I don't know of any commercial cannabis operations using them right now. Certainly none that I've consulted on, which is the vast majority of the ones that are out there. Kind of yeah. also goes back to like, how, you know, why, why do we need to keep adding moving parts when you got an excellent way to do it? I mean, everybody wants to keep improving stuff, but in the long run, you end up going back to the, the basic stuff that works really well. You'll, you'll get be far better mineralization if you take that waste, separate it into an offline brewer, uh, add some microbes to it and brew that for, you know, anywhere from a day and a half to three days on your short term. Um, yeah. and you know, a, a 10 to 14 day on your long term, um, and then in remineralizing water that way, that's going to be a way better, much, much better, you know, mineralization. You're going to get way more nutrients at, you know, per gram out of your fish waste than, than any M MMBBR that's going to turn your fish waste into silt and coat everything in a, something you can't get out of the system. It, it, it gets, it gets, it's brutal to get out. You almost have to shop back it out. In fact, I, I know a large farm that had to shop back it out. Um, so that would suck. That yep. would suck. Man. Yep. That's and like you take your whole basically. And they had like two inches of silt in the bottom from the MBBRs and uh, had to vac the whole thing out. It's too much anaerobic zone. Even with labs, it was still too much. But um, alrighty, well, uh, I think we'll wrap the show up a little early. I know I'm pretty tired. Um, do you guys have anything else you guys wanted to mention? I just want to mention I'm glad I made it home. I had a six and a half hour drive from Tennessee today, and Will is Will is doing okay. He's in rough shape. Um, so, you know, I got funny. I, I've been, you know, not that I didn't care about will but i can kind of stuck there for four days without a way to get home and it was it was rough i'm very happy to be home oh i'm so happy to be home um yeah i'm looking forward to i'm going to definitely come up to Ken, kentucky state there and um yeah things are going great um getting ready to go um I, i'm really i missed my day at the farm this week so i'm looking forward to getting with my partner and going out there uh, marty in case you didn't hear i've been i've been i'm in the middle of uh, being umbrellaed under a, a, a hemp license here in Carolina, where nice. they got three locations. We're going to have a lab, a climate controlled lab uh, indoors, and then we've got the big farm outdoors. And we've been adding all kinds of KNF, you know, inputs and stuff like that, and teas out there to build up that soil because we're lucky, though, compared to what Steve was talking about. 
they haven't grown. They used to spray that. It was pretty bare. It looked pretty bare, but the soil looked nice. They're kind of sandy, kind of sandy though, because it's on an island. But the thing is, is uh, my partner started uh, right off the bat with lactobacillus and stuff like that, getting it out there and getting going. He's been working real hard. And uh, I really, I'm looking forward to that, but you didn't know about that. And, and so they've, they've taken me on as a consultant and then they're, they've decided to add my farm under their license, so I'll be able to use my greenhouse to grow hemp this year or whenever I'm ready. So we're gonna they're gonna bring a crew out here and we're gonna tear the whole place up and and I'm real excited because I still got 72 feet of greenhouse laying on the ground I couldn't afford to cover, <coughs> and the company's gonna the company's gonna help me get all that done. And I I don't want to say too much or you know push anybody's buttons, but yeah I'm excited because. I could never afford to buy all that plastic and everything, you know, and now I got somebody going to do it for me so I can grow for them. So, so I'm excited as hell. I'm officially beyond just the media social forum area of the, of teaching or, or, or being in the industry. I'm actually going to be able to contribute by growing and teaching from my experience. I learned from that, you know, and again, thanks to all you guys out there on the panel and all our friends that we've, we've had on the, on the show that have, given me so much knowledge to, to grow on and uh no oh, that's nice man that's badass right there but uh that's about all i get to say steve i'm too tired i'm just glad to be home after a six or a, a week-long ordeal that was supposed to be two days so i'm super happy just to be home and can't wait to get out there and start working on the farm again tomorrow congratulations man that's awesome thank you i'm excited i've been on the cloud nine ever since they called me well, we went up to go to the race at Bristol in Tennessee last week. And right before I left, I got an email saying the, the, that the, the owner of the farm, the big farm, um, had decided to, to put, to put my, 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 my greenhouse operation under his license so that I could contribute a, a third. Because we're going to do three different, you know, we're going to do basically three different kinds of grows you know, and see what we get out of it. And so in the biggest point of that is to basically as a proof, right? So we'll have the, what happens in the field. Then we'll have what happens in my greenhouse. Then we'll have what happens in the indoor climate control room. And that will help these investors and these people that own the farm, um, the land and the farm to determine, you know, which way they should go. So I'm really excited to be just like Steve. I'm really excited just like Steve. I've always liked to do the side-by-sides or it wouldn't necessarily be a side-by-side, -side, but it's similar. You know what I mean? It's going to be three different methods of growing it. You know, one's going to be dual root zone aquaponics. I think I'm going to go with more of the, um, the, the natural farming and hugel beds here, you know, just to give them an idea about that in a greenhouse because they got a lot of opportunity to do that kind of thing. And then we're, <laughs> We're really hoping that they find it. Well, we're really hoping that we're successful with the dual root zone so we convince them that that's the way to go and maybe we can set up a nice operation like Greg has up in, in uh, Asheville. You know. So I was probably 10, 20 miles from Greg today up in North Carolina. I drove right right by Asheville today. But, okay, I love hearing about you know, guys networking and getting success. You know, we've had a number of people that have you know, taking the class or, or watch videos and make comments and ask questions and, and seeing them, you know, grow a plant. But just like I'm sure you know from the forums too, you know, when you've got new guys coming in asking questions, seeing them have success is always so much fun. And so oh, yeah. So yeah. congratulations, man. That's, that's nothing but awesome. 
Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time coming over here. I mean, you guys have been enjoying doing stuff over there for a long time. And and I'm really excited now that I got I, – I almost didn't come on the show. I'm so tired. Like, you know, I you know, but – I, I wanted to at least make my presence and and um, and and meeting Brian and then finding out next month he's having a conference up there, you know, and that's not but a few hours from me, you know. So, so that's something I can definitely we can you know get together and 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 get a nice you know I don't know I'm sure somebody's got a nice SUV or a van and we'll just jump in there and drive up there, and I'll probably be able to get the principals of the company um, to come up there too because I see I want them to see that. Yeah. This would be the perfect thing. In fact, I want to. I'm hoping y'all do the live stream, and we can get hooked up with that because when you on your you and Steve's aquaponics class, because yeah. that way I can show them what I've been trying to tell them. <laughs> and then I'm trying to tell them this is the way. If they took, if they watched or took that class, if I can talk them into taking the class, then that will definitely show them that this is a very serious operation you're trying to get into. You know, and and then they'll and it's easier for if they see it, it'll be so much easier for them to say to open their wallet. Right. And say that's you know what, that's probably the way we need to go. So that's what we're trying to do. And and again, and it's like every time now that I've gotten involved, I've I've had four or five different people tell me about other hemp farms all over the place, you know, like everywhere out here. Yeah. And they're like, well, here, you know, it's still. Still, you got you know you got the people that want to jump on there and think they're just going to jump in and grow and make a bunch of money, and but the thing is, is we got we don't have a ton of people over here, but we got several people, and some of them are actually real farmers. So that's exciting to me because um, I can you know I may or may not be able to look at that, and if they're not doing so well, I might be able to go help them out a little bit, you know. So you oh, know there were there were some people already doing hemp in Oregon before the, the big farm bill. Yeah. So there was already a marginal amount of interest and mm. in just sort of old school farmers that were like, you know, hey, you could you know, we could we could grow something that's useful again. Well if Kentucky's you know, had hemp legalized for years. You know, there you know it was a long time. Kentucky was one of the few states in the South that allowed hemp production. So I imagine that, that's why I imagine that Kentucky State and then also University of Kentucky, from my research, is also getting involved in, in things, you know, different methods and such. But Kentucky State, from Steve's been talking about it for a year or so, uh, they, they, yeah, I'm really happy. I can't wait. I'm, honestly, I'm, 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 I'm on cloud nine now. You know, I, I don't feel like I want to drive anywhere right now this minute, but in a month, I'll be really happy to drive up to Kentucky and attend that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I just think that it, you know, it's going to be so it's going to be so interesting because it it's really tapped into those those farmers that really enjoy providing something for people. And when you're when you're just getting subsidized or you're just growing like alfalfa, you know, it sort of becomes the the default. Well, all I have to do is water it, kind of crop. So maybe maybe you don't get a huge return on it, but you know you don't you don't have to babysit it quite as much or rotate it quite as much corn or you know like all those you know comes with as many complications because if you're just selling it you know you can still just bail up alfalfa and sell it to people here in the valley relatively easily yeah, uh, yeah. and so that that's that was always like the easy money you know if you didn't want to do anything else kind of crop it was alfalfa and, 
thought you had your other subsidized crops because you you knew that you whatever you couldn't sell locally you could get subsidized for and and that was okay but a lot of people you know didn't necessarily like again a, a large portion because out here you can grow a shit ton of corn that you you know and not be able to sell it all locally because there's so much competition now you know so many people just buy it when they're at walmart or wherever else um so even though there's still the demand for it, it it's difficult for a place to sell all of their corn um in a reliable market you know so that's always been part of an issue but you know anything that you can't sell so they've been smart for a while they keep the price pretty high and sell, oh, sell stuff that they can locally and then get subsidized for everything else. But when you, I think you had this, you know, this vein of people that have always enjoyed, you know, providing something useful. When you start talking about useful plants, there's not a lot more useful plants than, than hemp. If you look at how long it takes to grow it, the different things that you can use it for, the amount of carbon that it captures, um, you know, like any the durability of the cloth that you can make from it, the durability of the ropes that you can make from it, hempcrete, biofuels. I mean, really, across the board, it, you'd be pretty hard-pressed to come up with a more useful plant, like maybe bamboo. And even then, I think, you know, it's probably a distant second. Um, you know, definitely not wool or cotton, and look at the industries that we've built around those. So... Um, right, and hemp is six times as strong as cotton. Hemp fiber is six times as strong yeah. as cotton. So yeah, that's these are measurable things. It's not like, oh, well, that's just what the hippies say because they like to smoke their dough. You know, like, no, you can just go hook it up to a scale and be like, look, that one's made out of hemp and that one is made out of cotton. And you can see which one breaks first. Like, yeah. this is not debatable information. Turns out there's a lot of hippies out there that are pretty damn smart when it comes yeah. to growing. <laughs> say whatever you want about us hippies smoking dope or whatever, but yeah. you know, in this case, it's not open to interpretation. Yeah, we're always sm we're thinking. always thinking. We're always thinking, man. <laughs> so, and I think that's what I really tapped into. I know, I know a lot of people. There, I think I talked about this on the podcast last time, about like a couple weeks ago. That there's just huge sections of of him just industrial hemp uh, all, all over the road valley, a large portion of what used to be alfalfa or corn or the, you know, hemp is sort of the new, just uh, slap water on it and whatever grows, grows. Even if you have to only sell it for biomass, they're still making more money than they made selling subsidized corn. You know what I love about all this, though, and this is where my take, because I'm not looking to try to make a million dollars or two million dollars or anything. You know what I want? I want to make a good living. I want to be able to do what I want to. And I want to help other farmers that have a dead farm become make their farm viable again. Even if they don't make a million dollars, their farm will be viable. They'll be able to support their family. And that's what I'm into. I'm into more about that. And like you said, yeah. You could, if the guys that don't have enough money to get really fancy, they could fill their, their, you know, if you can keep, if you can control the pests and get it and get them, you know, the uh, microbes and the, and all the beneficial, uh, sub, the subsoil and all that, all right with everything. I think that to me would be a great success to help another farmer turn his farm that's not doing anything right now into a successful hemp farm. 
and I think it's great. And I don't even care about being in the um, in the THC cannabis industry other than for my own personal use. I really don't even want to get in the hassle of being involved. I want to stay in the place where it's an agricultural commodity, and it's not a it's a hassle. That you know, I mean, not it's not just way less hassle. You know, and again, I'm old enough to where I only need so much money. I got pretty much everything I want except my eyesight, you know, and I'm not totally blind like some people think. I, I can see them flowers look pretty damn good, you know, but I just can't read small print, you know, but that is that's it for me. Like, I just want to share what I've worked hard at and learned and, did, and you know, been teaching for free forever. And it's so nice to be. <laughs> hired by somebody to teach and they're paying me to teach, you know, and, you know, and I, and then I can still help out everybody else, you know, on the forums and stuff. Cause I'll never give out of, I mean, I've spent a lot of time to build that reputation and, and we got that such a great forum. Um, I might as well shamelessly plug, uh, I love growing marijuana.com because it's one of the best forums on the internet. Um, uh, you know, so much knowledge there and so many friendly knowledgeable people that want to help everybody else. And it's kind of like an awesome place to be, you know, and, and to be able to go now locally and ride down the road and help a guy like the guy that drove me home because my friend that had a stroke couldn't, Will couldn't drive me home. The guy that drove me home has got a farm and all, and um, he's trying to get into it a little bit. And we just, so we just talked about it all, all the way home. And it was amazing. Super nice guy works his ass off for what he's got. You know, I mean, he bought a, he bought 90 acres of a farm um, like when he was 20 years old and he's been working his ass off to pay for it ever since. But he's got, yeah. he's got, he bought a, he doubled it to like almost 200 acres now. Um, they own a convenience store where they got a deli. He sells cat. He has his own cattle. So he, he sells beef, you know, and he's a really well-rounded hardworking guy, you know, and he just like to get into it now that it's legal to get into and, and so I talked to him about all the, you know, shortfalls and, and really where you have to start. Because, again, he has no idea. Oh, and he doesn't do computers and shit. So I can't even say, like, go on the Internet and look for this, right? So I really try to get across to him that, that you, you know, first, this is the first thing I tell everybody. It's not like growing corn. You know, that's the first thing I tell him because everybody grows corn, right? Like you were saying, everybody grows corn. Yeah. Now, in the old days, they grew hemp like corn, basically, just throw a shitload of seeds in there, and it, it looked like a, a cornfield, really, but it was hemp. But now, like you said, that's biomass or fiber or whatever you're going to sell it for, right? So, but if you really want to get into something special that you get more money for, again, I don't really care. I'll help the guy that wants to be, you know, to sell, you know, going industrial fiber or, you know, the, the biomass, or I'll help the guy that wants to try to do smokable hemp so that people can enjoy smoking it, you know, even though, and, and there's a lot of people out there that don't like to get high, but they sure would love to feel better, you know, and, and that, and it's proven that medicine will help them feel better. And we've gotten so many um, different methods of producing it once it's harvested, right? You could still do resin, you could do you know, rosin or whatever, you know, you, there's so much you could do with the hemp flower, you know, so I'm really, that's what's going to be great too, Marty, is to be able to get in there and actually do, instead of just, I've been experimenting with cannabis for almost 20 years, I'm looking forward to getting into a, in a legal situation where I can be involved with several different methods of growing 
some people say I'm all over the place. Well, if you want to teach people, you need to know everything. You can't just, I'm not personally happy with just knowing one method and staying with tunnel vision, even though that might be great for a lot of people. And I condone it. I don't talk anybody down, no matter what their choices are, but I want to know how, it, how, how it grows every different method. You know, I hate to bring up the dirty word, but I'll probably even do some hydroponics just to see. So I can see, use my old hydroponic methods and, you know, like do a row like that and then have it next to, uh, you know, regenerative, you know, bed. And then we have the uh, indoor aqua. I'm really excited with you two guys. That's what I'm really excited to. Uh, uh, I, I, and that's why I want to get the guys to see your class because they want to do a dual root zone indoor. And so it's going to be a small scale, but we're trying to prove to them that they should do that on a bigger scale. But it's hard to convince somebody to throw out all that kind of money, you know, and without them seeing it. Yeah. And most of them haven't seen it. That's the other thing. Most of the people getting into it, never seen any of this stuff that we, you know, they watch a little bit of this or a little bit of that, or they have hearsay. They haven't actually ever done anything like that. And they don't really understand. And I think the more we keep educating people, the better off everybody's going to be, you know, and we all find out that we can learn something from anybody, even a new grower sometimes. You know? I think it's that, you know, because I get asked numerous times, whether it's through the podcast or online, uh, you know, the Facebook group or work as a consultant, you know, especially as a consultant, you know, they, you get asked the same question all the time. Oh, well, you know, what's the, what's the best way to grow or, you know, why is it better in comparison to this other one? And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I have to say, well, you know, like, I can't really tell you exactly what way is the quote unquote best way to grow. Like, I can tell you the ways that I've done things and what I like about them or what I didn't like about them. But I've never been in, in that type of environment, like what you're saying, where you, you can do like three different methods at the same time and, and have the resources to do that. And uh, when, you, when you can only grow six plants at a time, it, <laughs> that's kind of tough for the old control groups. You know what I'm saying? There's not. Well, I know all about six plants at a time too, because that's basically the size of my grow room. So I've been, I'm, no. I hear you, brother. I, I and you know, that's what's so exciting for me. And I'm all, also excited to have the advantage of having this giant farm, where once we get all this field that we're starting in, which is an acre. We're starting and out of all that vast thing, you know, again, the guy that doesn't know or isn't willing to, he didn't think he was going to have to keep like all this infrastructure. He didn't realize the infrastructure it's going to take to run that farm, you know? And so starting with this acre, I'm just excited that not, cause I'm going to have, we're going to have companion planting and we're going to do like our friends out there, like Joshua and all them where they got vegetables, uh, Wendy, they, they're growing hemp or cannabis and they're also growing vegetables in the same bed. And that is what is exciting to me because I've never been able to go with my ideas and techniques and knowledge and have a big giant outdoor farm to play with. You know, I've always had to grow in a greenhouse and then indoors, you know? Um, so the greenhouse is cool. I had real, I mean, I grew the hell out of plants in the greenhouse, but I really would love to see, uh, we got so many farms down here, just like you guys have up there and all through California. There's so many awesome farms. Um, but I've never been able to be a part of something that big. And that's what's exciting to me. Uh, and I just hope I don't I don't embarrass myself. <laughs> just the scale alone, not only does it 
not only does it pose challenges, but it just poses opportunities. Like, and, and yeah. It, you know, allows you a much larger portion of, of your crop to be able to experiment with just because you have such a volume. It, it also gives you the ability to overcome uh, you know, different issues that you have uh, with any of those and, and the ability to sort of shift around and do what you need to just because you, you aren't limited by plant count and structure and regulation. So to, to be able to do something on that scale, I, you know, I definitely could understand the, the excitement around that. I think we're going to have you know, it's going to be a whole new world in terms of phenotype hunting and selection and like even even little things that you don't realize right now are are going to be even though they'll probably be challenges they'll be awesome challenges you know they'll well, be, they'll be i'll be oh go ahead go ahead sorry no, go ahead. well and so you know, i can tell you one thing right now one of the things that's going to be um, I'm going to be introduced for the first time to having to deal with a lot of bugs. <laughs> I'm so, so I need to further my education on the bugs. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I can handle the bugs I had in my greenhouse. I never really had that much of a problem, you know, but, you know, I know that it's out there and I know when we're out that field, that big giant field on that island, there's going to be big bugs and little bugs and all kinds of bugs. And it's a good thing uh, we got people that can, you know, educate us and help us out if we need it with bugs but i think that's probably the thing that i'm uh, you know being that it's in an agricultural area that's done really well um they grow a lot of tomatoes out that way now this place was a deer like a hunting club so most yeah. of their crop was deer corn so they didn't really do a lot um but that leads me to a question if you don't mind me asking you guys a question i know steve wanted to get out of here but yeah. here we are um there's one question i'd really like to ask and and um, I think Ryan will be happy about this. So we got these, you know, they, these boys got some big ass tractors, right? They got one of those big giant fucking John Deere tractors, and they got a couple other big giant ass John Deere tractors, and a bunch of little tractors and dump trucks, and it's going to be kind of cool, little bulldozer. Um, but here's one thing: they got so they got one of those tractors with the with the with the spray wands that are like 15, 20 feet on each going out each side. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. they could ride through the field and spray them. Now, those have been used to spray probably, we don't know for a fact, but the guy said probably, when we asked him, probably has had Roundup in them, okay, okay. for the beginning of the season. All right, so I know the machine would work. So is it possible, would I have to refit everything, or is there a way to clean it out so that I could use that machine with the big arms to reach out and spray the plants, like with K&F stuff and all? Uh, how could I clean that out to make it safe so I wouldn't have those toxic chemicals in there? Would I have to buy new, the whole new, refit it all, or what? I don't, you'd have to look up and see how much that's going to leach into the plastic. My, I would imagine if you ran some RO water through it for a while and, and did a good thorough cleaning, but you'd have to look up cleaning procedures for um, Roundup itself. Okay, but yeah, and it may not, it, it's not just Roundup, but whatever they were spraying, right? Because, uh, you know, that's how I got a day's going, yeah, what, well, so what are we going to spray Roundup? I said, no, 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 no. No, but, no, you'd have to, you'd have to, you'd have to just test it. You'd have to run, okay. you'd have okay. to clean it and then run some water through it and have them do a residual test on it, which shouldn't Perfect. be too bad at an agricultural, you know, uh, attachment, you know, any university nearby should be able to get you on that one. 
All right, no, that's perfect because that's what I already figured out. So I'm glad that you said the same thing I figured out, that, that first we're going to run a bunch of water through it and then test what's coming out of the spray nozzles, right? And then have that tested and we'll see if, you know, if we actually have to clean it up or if we can run. I didn't know if we would want to add anything to water, you know, to, to run through there. Um, but, okay, so you the same idea came up with, just run a bunch of water and test what's coming out and then try to clean it up or – you know, because it's right there, man. It's just it's just sitting there in the barn. You know, it's a big giant tractor, and I swear. Again, I would I would go to an agricultural forum and, and ask guys that know farm equipment. I I don't really answer that question. Oh, nice. I was gonna I was gonna add though earlier. Um, I I recognize at least half the names of the people from the hemp panel <laughs> and from the cannabis panel. Um, uh, that are uh, you know students of of me and Marty or or my class and. Two thirds of them, at least, uh, on both of those panels, are recognized. So it is really cool to see the all the hard work that we've been doing, uh, you know, actually making a difference. Well, yeah, I actually met this fella because I was on the podcast, and he went to the Maine, the Regenerative Organic Cannabis concert in Maine. And he's the guy when y'all want to get, we got the mission. You go, yeah, we had a guy from South Carolina, you know. And uh, then I he ended up contacting me through the podcast, and that's how I got involved. So. It's just a big giant network of loving people as Wendy and everybody talked about in Michigan. It's just one big family. We got to treat each other like family and share what we know with family and make sure everybody's successful because there's way more than we can all do at once by ourselves. There's so much opportunity out there that there's no reason not to share. Even if you don't always agree with somebody, we can still always share. And you can make sure that everybody's successful. And uh, the classes y'all give are great. I'm telling y'all, I'll tell you this every time Steve and Marty bring up that class, if you have the opportunity, I've sat through the two-day class, and now they're doing a four-day class. I'm going to tell you, if you have the time and the opportunity to take part of that, and they do a live stream, if you're not in, you know, in the Oregon, California, you know, north, northwest coast area, it's well worth whatever the fee is. And it's well worth your time and you will not be bored. It's one awesome class to have online. I have never seen anything, you know, uh, really it's just so well, this, it covers everything. It just covers everything. And I'll give it back to you, Steve, but thanks for giving, thanks for giving me that advice. I will look in some eggs and I'll talk to some local guys, although most local farmers probably still spray that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> you can always look up half lives of whatever you know they most products they have to publish yeah. the study and you can look up the half life of even like lysophate um to see what you know how long it would take to break down and usually they even give it in like in different different circumstances so in direct sunlight or in dark containers or at different temperatures you can Usually you can find a lot, and, I, and I'm pretty sure it's available for Roundup. That's if, awesome. So y'all's opinion is that prob this machine, uh, this sprayer unit on the back of this uh, tractor is probably usable with a little bit of work and testing. Yeah, especially with work and testing. So I would definitely you know, run it through like you talked about, do the testing. Once you get the testing done, you'll know what you need to research and find out how to break it down as fast as possible. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Thank you, guys. That's yeah, great. No problem. 
So I, I yield to you, Steve, the tired, the tired one. <laughs> on that note, I think we're going to wrap the show up. Um, I want to tell everybody how to find you there, Marty. Oh, yes, you can find me. Uh, usually I'm in the Aquaponic Facebook growers group or Aquaponic Cannabis Growers group on Facebook. I guess is a better way to say that. Um, so that's the name of it on Facebook. Uh, my YouTube is AP Meds. And my Patreon is AP Meds. And my Instagram is AP Meds. So you guys can hit me up on there just about any time you want. Uh, if you have any questions, <clears throat> check out that. And then probably starting next week, I'll be doing new build videos of the nursery and the cloning setup. And so that should, uh, hopefully I'm going to hang lights this weekend. If I have time, fingers crossed. So those will start going up next week. And uh, getting prepped for the class. Fun times. Fantastic. And you can also find out the class, more about the class that Marty and I will be teaching at uh, apmjclass.com. Real easy to remember. apaquaponicsmjclass.com. APMJ. You can also find it at commercialapmjclass.com. So. Ah, cool. What about you, Roger? Well, as everybody knows, I'm... I'm um, there at uh, I love growing marijuana.com. If you join and you want to contact me, just tag me at Latewood. Um, I've also got I like people to because I'm legally blind. I like people to contact me at uh, Facebook, even though a lot of people don't like it. But I love for you to contact me there because we can message, we could share information if you need something, especially you people in the southeast or anywhere you know, you know, well southeast or eastern east coast or whatever. Um, I think people out there in the Midwest kind of have it covered already. Not a lot of people over here. We'd like to have more things going on here. And then, of course, I'm on Instagram, but I don't have a lot of content there. I more or less follow my friends. And uh, I apologize to all my friends I met in Michigan because I never realized that I wasn't going to really be able to communicate with you at Instagram. But I am now that we're the farm's going and we got things going in fact, the picture that you've been looking at behind me or, in, you know, that I'm infused with there, uh, or, you know, what did it say? As Mr. Greenji said, uh, I can't think of the word. I'm too tired. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a hemp flower from our farm. And, um, shoot, I just, I'm too tired. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. So I'm going to be taking a lot of pictures. I got a video of entering the farm. So one of these days, when we, next time we have time, I've got a little probably five-minute video I can share on the screen, and I'll show you the first time I entered the farm from past the residence and down the dirt road and where we entered the big fields, and you can kind of get an idea how vast the uh, project is, and I'm hoping in a few years we got the whole thing planted. You know, that's, that's my goal to that, see it through. Uh, we got to work out some water there, but yeah, that has nothing to do with where you find me. So Instagram, Roger Latewood, Facebook, Roger Latewood, Latewood at, at ilovegrowingmarijuana.com. Um, and we, we've got our Carolina Canna Connection website will be coming up soon. So if any of you guys in the Southeast want to want to be involved in that, um, we, we'll, we're going to have some kind of little deal where you can, you can, uh, we can share information you know, in, in a dedicated place. So thank you, Steve. There it is. There's that beautiful yard. There it is. Yep. And um, 
So you can um, find me over at YouTube on Potent Ponics. If you listen to the audio version, we hit five or 6,000 subscribers today. Um, so big thanks to everybody to help make that possible. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, it's quite, quite the community we've built over there. So, uh, And I think we're, what are we up to? Like, I think we just broke 5K recently in the Facebook group, or we're damn close to it. Oh, we so, got to be at 5K now. I mean, we, we get requests all the time. We were at 4. Yeah. We were at 4,700 not, not yeah. that long ago. We've gotten a lot of people since then. Yeah, for sure. And I'm looking forward to being in the Facebook. I don't do much there at the Facebook group except allow new members entry. <laughs> that's my. That's about all I do over there. But that's going to be fun when we build this new indoor lab. It's going to be fun. I'll actually start to get to share with the aquaponics group, uh, cannabis growers group on Facebook. And I can't wait. I cannot wait. That'll be awesome to be involved in something so cool. Because when I go there, I don't get to, I don't have time. It's like all of us, we we only have so much time in a day to do what we do and we can't just be everywhere. But uh, once I can share aquaponic stuff with you guys over there, I'll probably be more noticed, uh, more visual, you know, on the, on the Facebook group. And, you know, that's great. Nice place too, aquaponics cannabis growers group, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so you have the Facebook group, Aquaponic Cannabis Growers, um, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, all the places. iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio, all the different places. So, That's all right, great. guys, appreciate it. We'll catch you guys again on next two or this coming Tuesday. Cheers.